You're listening to Three, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Three, a podcast where three filmmakers get together to discuss movies. Join us as we dive in to figure out how these movies work and what they can teach us about the art of filmmaking. Whether you are a filmmaker yourself or you just love to nerd out on the art of cinema, we invite you to take this journey with us. This is a film discussion by filmmakers. Today we are discussing the movie The Night of the Hunter, directed by Charles Lawton and written by James Agee, starring Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, and Lillian Gish. Please be sure that you've watched the movie before listening any further because this is sure to be full of spoilers. Now let's get into it on three. Jason, what's on your mind? <laughs> what? Why are you even laughing? You leaned into the you leaned into the microphone like I, I was like, what's on your mind? And you leaned you in. You were so ready, Jason. You were well, ready. Well, I'm just going to come out with it. Um, what do you think of TikTok? This has been my experience with TikTok, all right? Jason, uh, a few months ago, my wife and I came to visit you over on the other side of the coast of our state that you live on, and you were all into this new thing called TikTok, and so we made a TikTok video. I remember that. There was like a, there was an era of Jason went five years without doing anything on social media and had like a one week stint where he's like posted TikToks with people I didn't know, and then he went back dark. That's, that's my view of Jason's relationship to TikTok. Is this true? You listen. I don't. I don't want you to be jealous because I made TikToks with other people. Oh, don't worry. But, I wouldn't uh, have participated. I, I still care about you. Okay, <laughs> TikTok is my view of TikTok. Is it might be the one that just passes me by. You know, when you're getting older and new social media, because like it's like okay, there's Facebook and like yeah, you hop on it and you hop on everything. And I wonder if TikTok is the one that maybe I'll just won't participate in or maybe it'll get so big that i won't have a choice but tiktok to me i went on tiktok and it was overwhelming the user experience was just videos non-stop i didn't it, it, like instagram has like some breath in it like just a photo okay there's a video funny video like they explore <laughs> there's it, white space in yeah between it's just like photos. noise it's it's crazy and then it was my second thought was these are like 16 year old girls just like shaking their butts and i just i just felt so twisted like are we all like is this is like are we all participating in this this feels so crazy i kind of felt like a conservative dad being like what is this so and so i haven't been back on my wife has been been really bored and learning the dances and that is extremely <laughs> extremely cringy <laughs> i do not approve is it, does your wife have a tiktok channel no well, I think she, I mean, she probably has an account, but I don't think she has a channel. She doesn't post. Unless. Well, if she's learning the dances, what is she learning the dances for? I don't know. Girls just like that stuff. There's something about <laughs> girls are just drawn to, like, I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Also, I think TikTok is so big because no one else in the world, like people weren't, didn't know how to edit videos, like to put music behind videos. Yeah. And then an app comes right. along and just does it for you. So easy and convenient. Makes so much sense why it's a big deal. Yeah. But what's okay? So what's interesting? This is one of the things I, I kind of figured that you would have that type of reaction to TikTok. You know, the kids these days. I'm not sure if you're down with the kids. Um, like I don't I am. know. 
Which kids? <laughs> which, one, which ones? Uh, but, okay, so th- this is my observation. Short form video is something that, like, I didn't understand a few years ago. I, I just could not understand why people would rather watch YouTube than TV. But there's, like, a whole generation of people that were raised on Vine and YouTube and sure. Facebook videos. You know, like, and so I think that um, there's kind of the surprise of the success or at least the hype around Quibi. I guess I'm not even sure if it can be called success yet, but the hype that's around what's happening with Quibi, but it's all this kind of short form storytelling or shorter form than I'm used to at least. So I wonder because TikTok, yeah, sure. It's a bunch of people shaking their booties on the screen. Some like sometimes based on, I guess what your preferences are. So you might want to check those. Um, like but, that, and I kept getting, I keep getting all these pop ups <laughs> on my computer. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, oh, that's but there's like so many, like kind of, it's almost like a short, short films popping up on TikTok in like different capacities, like really funny stuff. And so, I'm wondering if this is just like a passing fad because that's what I've just assumed for a long time that short form video is like a passing fad, but it seems like it's not going anywhere. No, it kind of seems like it's sticking around. And so I, I was wondering what, what your thoughts were on TikTok, because I think it's actually part of that short form medium where there's actually some actually there's some pretty good content on there. It's a pretty decent, quick form storytelling. It's quite funny, but it's kind of like the training ground for I wondering if this is where film is kind of going like to these short form creators that know how to make something really quick or, or, or it's going to, or it's going to lead to kind of some other discovery in film. Anyways, I think you should just keep your, keep your fingers on the pulse of it. Or if it's just like the best, like if child predators are just loving this, that that's my view of TikTok. There's some creepy dudes, not myself. These are two extreme views of one platform. I just no, say. I, 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 I have no, like, I'm not even like opinionated about TikTok. I just like go on it and, Half the videos are just so cringy, like so, like just super insecure and like there's a really weird Mm. culture of everyone doing the same thing. So my critique, YouTube felt like it was honored originality, but like because TikTok is half meme, half video, it's just, it's just hopping on that current trend. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it'll create filmmakers, but they're not going to be unique or original. Maybe. I don't know. The whole platform is based on current trends. For sure. So, like, it's doing that on purpose. It's weird, man. Like, it's actually, it's just weird. Isn't it set up, too, so that, like, when one, it's almost, like, super quick viral, like, trains, almost? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so one thing goes viral, but then everyone can jump on that train for, like, a day, and then the next day, it's something else? Is that kind of what it's like? Yeah. Yes. That blows yeah. my mind. That's why, I was, but, that's why I've been so Drake- made the lamest move of his entire career with his latest song it's called two made it for tiktok yeah he just like it was a thirst trap for tiktokers and it's just when you're the biggest artist in the world and you you make a song with i knew you could you hear the song it's like left foot right foot slide or whatever (laughs) i knew he was just like okay please tiktok one more time could you sing that for us i knew he was like i can put it on here we can all listen to it no, he was just like begging fourteen to eighteen year olds to oh make a dance out of the song because his his new song yeah is totally just like a 
please turn this into a viral dance the way he wrote it I, it's just what's so it lame. called to slide or tootsie i think or? i know this like let me listen to it because it, it, it might actually be it is all over tiktok Yeah, it's only like a little piece of it. Yeah, it's like right foot up, left foot slide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a, a a very big viral trend on uh, on TikTok right now. I don't know, but I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. How TikTok kind of came about for me, I'm just gonna tell you really quick so I can justify myself and so that you won't judge me as much. Um, I had just been deported from Australia. And uh, I was traveling through Europe on my way back to the U.S. and visiting some friends in Germany. And I don't know where they're like, let's start a TikTok channel and let's start doing TikToks. So <laughs> I didn't even know what TikTok was. I thought TikTok was like a dating app. And uh, I was like, uh, I'm not so into that. <laughs> but they're like, download it now. You know, Sorry, where are they from? Um, <laughs> Germany. <Okay. laughs> I apologize to my German friends. Uh, but anyway, so I downloaded it and uh, we just start like just ran out into the woods and started making like dumb viral videos. They kind of showed me the basics of it. And um, we started getting like we'd like sit there and watch like thousands of views, 3000 views, 4000 views. And, you know, like uh, they just kind of would get popular for a short amount of time. And it was just kind of fun. So I had, that was my week of doing TikTok videos. And then William and Felicia came down to uh, where I live and we did one of the TikToks. And then I quit after that. Now I just watch. Do Does TikTok monetize like YouTube? Or is it just people get big and then they wear clothing in the TikTok and that's how they make money? Like, is it, do you get paid? I don't view? know. No, I do think that you can get sponsorship like for I'm seeing like a whole bunch of uh, bang energy drinks in TikToks and I'm pretty sure it's just product placement. So I could see that like product placement, wearing a shirt, doing that. But they're not like it's not like how YouTube 100,000 clicks is a dollar or whatever. However, YouTube does it. It's not like that. I don't. Is it? I don't really know. So genius though. Imagine being like YouTube and be like, oh, we're like, we're paying these people too much. And then you start a new app and you have like a certain amount of years where you just don't have to pay anyone out. So I don't, is, is TikTok same people? Like, is it the Illuminati as well? Or (laughs) it's not, it will be Bernie Sanders (gasps) (laughs) owns TikTok. (laughs) I knew it. He's doing that two C slide. I don't know. Anyways, but that's the, those are just my thoughts on short form video on TikTok. So short short form is that. a that's big deal. I just wonder. Yeah, I think there's money to be made. It's, it's an opportunity for sure. Yeah, I think no matter how much we hold on to longer form, eventually, you know, those eighteen year olds will grow up and take over our market, and it'll change. But the weirdest thing about <laughs> our market, even I don't, it's not our market, but documentary was dead for so long like that was like a i would say not a trendy if like you look at the trend of short form content and then tiger king being the biggest thing in the world like that (laughs) no one would have predicted that that like documentary tv shows like that was what was like a weird on a weird channel as a kid and now those are huge so i don't know where the world's going because i couldn't have predicted that kids these days i know and like 
So, Do you guys like think the world is flat? <laughs> also, because <laughs> that's what I learned this week. <laughs> Did you guys see that uh, that footage released by the Pentagon showing alien aircraft? I, I did. Okay, I did. Uh, is that really released? No, well, way. it's released. I think it that. was released by the Pentagon or something. But then I think the main person pushing it out is, it's like this. It has a name that sounds scientific, but it's just Tom DeLong from Blink One Eighty Two. It's like some. Is it really? Yeah, there's like that organization. He's the first of like person I some... thought of when I saw that. I was like, oh, Tom DeLong's probably like, dude, I knew it. What's it called? Tom DeLong organization. Stars and uh, something in stars. Oh, two of the stars Academy of Arts two and Science. The stars. Yeah. So he was the one. I'm fascinated with Tom DeLong. I'm gonna make a movie about him one day. All right. And it's gonna be called I'm Fascinated by Tom DeLong. It's crazy. I was It'll talking with friends. I was talking Every with episode f- will be two minutes long. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy talking with friends how big Angels and Airwaves was. There was that that slice of time yeah. where it was like mm-hmm. the universal yeah. big band, and it's it like true. was kind of soft enough that youth groups started using it, and like youth conferences were all using like Angels and Airwaves. <laughs> so it was just this like the per- the and then everyone kind of it wasn't as risky as Blink One Eight Two. They were oh, yeah. huge for a minute. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They were they were massive. We should get into this movie. Yeah. What's the movie this week? Who picked it? I picked the movie this week. I picked The Night of the Hunter, as we all know. I'm just gonna give you guys a quick synopsis of the film, as usual. So The Night of the Hunter, made in nineteen fifty five. The Reverend Harry Powell is a religious fanatic and serial killer who targets women who use their sexuality to attract men. Serving time in prison for car theft, he meets condemned murderer Ben Harper, who confesses to hiding $10,000 in stolen loot. Released from jail, Powell is obsessed with finding the money, and he tracks down Harper's widow, Willa, and her two children, John and Pearl. These synopses always shed light on one part of the movie that I didn't quite catch every time you guys read them. Yeah. Yeah. Just- Wait. Can we just back up for a second? Where did you read this synopsis? <laughs> I googled a bunch of different ones. So I went on Wikipedia first and then IMDb and then Letterboxd and none of those were to my liking. So then I literally just googled The Night of the Hunter synopsis and one came up. I don't know what the source is, but oh, <laughs> I just read that one. Cuz I was so trying funny. to find one like a shorter one cuz you know, we we haven't been digging the long long ones. And mine for Cold War was super short, so I, I don't even know what I like the I like the short ones, but I guess my question was he kills women for their what seductive nature or something? Sexuality. Well, like yeah, that's I knew sexuality. he was like this weird paradox preacher guy, but I didn't really. He didn't. That wasn't as clear that he was like that's how he justified his preying on women was because they were just, immoral. I, the one scene where she's wearing like a muumu, you know, which back then might have been a little <laughs> risque, you know. Super <laughs> risque. Watching it, it was like, oh, okay, like. <laughs> She like walks in and she's like, Harry. <laughs> then he's like, You sinning woman. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, what what is happening? And yeah. and she like falls down into the pillow dramatically. Oh yeah, that I was, was a scene where he was like, and then there's... he almost like he raises his knife all up at Epic, right? He's like holding his knife above No, his... no, no, no. That's later. Oh, yeah, he... no, that's that's later. But in that first like wedding night scene, he goes, you you know, a woman is made for right birthing Do children and not yeah. for lusting sexually or something. It's something so weird. I was like, I think they're trying to make a point here. 
but it's from the 50s, so I don't know what that point is. What do you guys think of it? Let's start with Yeah, let's get into first impressions here. Jason, you seem to I'm always to first. This film. I'm always first. Let Caleb <laughs> right, go. Caleb, first Caleb, time. you're up. Uh, I mean, first impressions are movies from that are this old are I don't think you take them as seriously as they want you to. They're just charming when movies are this old. But I think the scenes that probably were terrifying to everyone in the theater were like so suspenseful weren't quite to me. It was it was cute. It was good. I thought that the characters felt pretty original. Like I liked the the bad guy, the pastor who <laughs> whatever he's up to. I thought he was interesting, the kids. Some of the lighting was pretty sweet. I really liked when the like it was like silhouettes outside of like the mountains, like the sun like backlighting things and then inside where they were silhouetted as well. I don't know what I would give. It's weird to rate movies that are you know the like there's huge importance with a movie like this and you can see it like what they were up to for sure was ahead of the times like that was some early aerial photography for sure <laughs> you know like they like yeah, oh, yeah that's that that hit me that's got to be like one of the first times that was done well i couldn't have been convenient I, I to get in a plane you underestimate we're like 50 years into narrative filmmaking at this point that's a long time uh, i'm just saying this because i always go into these older films uh not expecting much and then they always like blow me away with their techniques they're using so i feel like every single one has something like this drone shot in the beginning where i'm like what yeah yeah i, I did i don't even want to rate this movie i it's important but like my my viewer experience is like okay what i often wonder with we can get into it but this is a film noir right yeah, it's a Kinda. film noir, but it's on like the t- yeah, it's like on the tail end. Like some might even say it's not kind of a part of that whole era of, of film noir because that was kind of nineteen forties through the fifties. But I think it was kind of dying out at this point, and I think that's why you kind of see definitely strong noir, but then kind of like high key day scenes, you know, mixed in. So noir by like visual style more than subject matter. Yeah, I think like the the cinematographer was a big noir cinematographer so so anyways i'll get i'll stop talking i don't know i'll give it like a three or five or something like i'm so loose going in this conversation that i don't have much opinion on it <laughs> i don't want to give it like a, i've seen movies in this era that like felt amazing this was good but i don't know what to give it so maybe jason take it away i don't know this movie i don't even know what to do with it it's like it reminds me of like a sideshow you know like it's just weird and this does not feel like the movies of the day, which is kind of unique to me, which I which I like about it. But at the same time, it's just so odd. You know, like, I think that it seemed like a normal movie, and then it seemed like it was trying to be a noir, and then it seemed like it was trying to be scary, and it seemed like it was trying to be a morality play. It just kind of went in all sorts of different directions. Um, I'm kind of relieved to find out that this was the director's uh, one and only film contribution and that it was a commercial failure. It doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It means that I was not moved. I don't I don't really know. I think that I'm going to have to give this one a, a two stars out of five because I don't know. Actually, the odd, the odd scenes to me were the most interesting make i wish they would have made the whole movie like that so uh, by the way the odd scenes that i'm talking about are that scene where he does raise up the knife in the bedroom and his wife is like laying in bed and she's like 
kind of talking like she's a zombie. One of the other scenes is when they first get into the canoe, the girl starts singing, but it's really like an older woman's voice. Yeah. I love that older guy. <laughs> it just seemed... They just went she... for it. <laughs> well, no. like I thought that, that that's kind of what gave it its odd character. And then that like crotchety old lady at the end who's like, get inside the house or I'll whip you with this switch. You know, and she's great. Like, I love that character, but it just felt like I loved the weird, odd parts of it that were few and far between. The rest of it was just kind of an overacting reverend that wasn't all that scary to me. That's oh, wow. that's that's how I felt about it. I know. I know. I feel bad. Okay. No, I do. Good. But maybe something to ponder on, Caleb. I'm, I do want to know what you think is important about this film. Well, whenever I'm talking about old movies i can't help but wonder like what what did they bring to the industry if that we're all like we're obviously standing on the shoulders of all these movies that have already been made so for me just to like Uh be so hard on them and be like oh well i wasn't scared it's like like i watched fight club 10 years too late and i and by the time fight club had already like that narrative of whatever it was the same person i didn't like fight club because I watched it way too, like so many movies had come uh, come out that bit mm-hmm. it, you know? So by the time I watched Fight Club, I wasn't getting the right experience. So that's why I'm like, I'm wondering that if it's an important movie. I don't know why it is. I'm yeah. assuming there's something important about it. It's stuck around this long. Hmm. What did you think of it, Will? Yeah. I actually really, really liked it. I think I, ca- I, I was, I've learned to watch these older films kind of, really trying to watch it from that perspective of that era and and kind of like what you guys are talking about maybe the impact it's made today and i felt like this this film has got to be so it's so underrated i'm like why aren't we hearing about this movie more as a horror film i gotta be admit too i haven't seen a lot of horror films from this uh time period i felt like there was so much going on like I've seen that done today. Like I've seen that influence in horror films throughout the years for sure. And I I couldn't help feel, I guess, that this film was one of the first ones to kind of be doing some of these things with horror and suspense. I thought that Harry Powell should be referred to like one of the greatest villains in cinema history. Like, I don't know why this dude isn't talked about more. Like he's up there with Anton Chigger from No Country for Old Men for sure. Man, I can kind of even see just I thought he was so intriguing with the love and hate tattoos. And to me, it felt so not ahead of its time, but it felt like what it was doing must have been so experimental for that time. I could see that. Yeah. Those were kind of my, some yeah. of my first thoughts as well, I was watching. What would you rate it? I would rate it a four out of five. I, I loved the, even like the story. I thought the story was really intriguing and good, but I do think it it gets really distracted. And I, I don't mind the weirdness. I mean, like as soon as it starts off with like a lady sharing Bible stories to kids floating in space. I mean, I thought it was going to be a lot weirder, honestly. Well, but. yeah. Okay. With movies like <laughs> that, my thought with movies from eras like this or this movie is is i always wonder how self-aware they are like if they're trying are they just trying Mm -hmm. to be cool and then nowadays this is kind of charming are they like are they trying you know with i don't know it seemed like someone was trying to be super edgy for the day did it or or were they just like with is that just how it came out like were they just trying was this trying to be dramatic and then we see it as oh that was an interesting choice of him holding the knife up i like they're not trying to be artistic that wasn't what the culture was like like 
people were just surviving back then. There wasn't like pretentious artists, was there? Like what? Like, I don't know how aware. Right. Like what? It's just I don't know. I think that um, you can kind of usually tell the difference between someone trying to fail at drama and someone trying to push the envelope. And for the nineteen, what was it? The fifty nineteen fifty five. I think yeah. that there was a lot of things in here trying to push the envelope. Like, especially those wide shots, like when the kids were going down the river, there was like a frog in the foreground. And then <laughs> so many two animal bunnies shots. in the foreground. <laughs> so many animals. Like, these I love when the red. I love when the owl comes up and you see a little <laughs> string attached to its neck going off the screen. Oh, I didn't see that. That's hilarious. Can I just tell you, as soon as I heard the owl and then like the camera panned over to the owl, it seems like a short film that I assigned to all of my film students that come through. And there's a line in there that says um, like they heard owls before they died or something. And, and there's always this whoo, whoo, just a cheesy version of an owl. And every time I saw and heard an owl in this movie, I thought of that really bad sh- short film. Like it's supposed to, it's making fun of itself and it's making fun of the genre. So I don't see, know, man, I think see, that they were trying to be edgy so much. It's just All weird. To, it's weird to see. Wait, did it? Did it? Like, yeah, what was this film's uh, impact? Like, is that a noted thing? That what was the new? What was going on at the time? What other movies came out like that year? I just need to have some sort of reference point. Same, because that's what I was feeling like, and that's why I kind of disclaimed that I don't know a lot about the horror films being made in that day. But I thought I was super impressed with the way it handled suspense and just like horrific elements. I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. There, I don't think you're right <laughs> well no i just okay, i the, don't the, know there like, was what, like, there was, was there was okay here's the one thing that i can see that was an impact made from this movie and i don't know if it was this movie but him singing the same song and that song becoming I like loved a, that. being like a threatening thing over time yeah that reminded me of what's that uh that, that's really common in horror now but probably for the time that was a really really take a worship song and make it or like a gospel song and make it kind of scary and him always singing and that's what's haunting the kids that's something that yeah. I think changed was an important part from this movie. Actually, kind of going off that, what I loved, loved, loved about this this movie and about uh, the preacher as like a villain is that old time religion is so creepy to me. It honestly is, <laughs> and and you can spin it into a horror film so easily. And there's so much to pull mm-hmm. from it. There's so much you can pull from old religion that you could spin into like a creepy horror film and they did it in this film, which I just, I don't know. I loved it. It worked so well for me. Like having this preacher type character who's really just this maniacal, insane hearing from God, quote unquote, of who he's going to go and murder and steal from next. Like that's scary. Yeah. It's like I could see some mm-hmm. mentally ill person doing that today, honestly, and using like God as an excuse. Yeah. And, and the lady, the creepy lady, um, Mrs. Spoon, that she was like just this kind of religious nut that, you know, that was so blinded by Harry when he came into town, kind of forcing um, Willa, you know, kind of putting Willa together. That character for me was hilarious because you saw a progression for her. And at the very end of the movie, she was like screaming for this guy to be hanged, you know? Yeah. Um, but that 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 creepy religious uh, community was it was it was definitely a good use of that from the fifties. Uh, it reminded me of There Will Be Blood and the creature in that movie played by Paul Dano. Eli, I think his name is Paul Thomas Anderson, had to have been inspired by this movie for that character. Like I said, it's this old religion that you can kind of just spin into like such interesting characters. Yeah, 
that character was cool. Like the that was the most interesting character for sure. Oh, it's worth mentioning too that this was a movie based off of a novel that was based off of a real serial killer too. So just like going forward in our discussions, I feel like it's important to kind of know that. The problem I think I have with it is it's coming up against some really big hitters in the noir genre from from years earlier that were so strong. This doesn't feel revolutionary in the area of noir to me. It doesn't feel revolutionary in the area of acting to me. It does feel like really great as far as, you know, maybe cinematography or some of the, the interesting ways that they filmed it, but some of the sets were pretty god awful. Like, so I, that's why I'm like, I'm really <laughs> trying to figure, I, I really am. I'm trying to, I try to open my heart and I'm trying to figure out why this movie is like, I don't know, has any accolades, but just to give you some context. All right. This, this film was made in 1955. Sunset Boulevard came out in 1950, five years earlier. Um, wow, yeah. du- Double Indemnity came out in 1944. So what 11 11 years before this one would you um, consider Gilda, those horror or i haven't seen double indemnity but is sunset boulevard well these a are horror film? these are noir noir films yeah um i i don't know if i can like consider this a horror film is this is that why is this considered like one of the early horror films oh, well i mean it's gotta be if it's not then i totally misread the movie and i'm dropping my stars <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I, like I was scared. I was like, "Sorry, you I, were scared." I, the suspense was getting. I was scared at times. Okay, like it was getting to me, and that's why I rated it high because I was like, "This this dude is is creepy." The preacher, and and they were they were using utilizing like horror techniques that are just so. I know like, you almost <laughs> don't even want to use them now. The only but, problem with like every time I could almost get behind the suspense, like I I could tell that he could have caught the kids <laughs> like i saw the, the one scene where the kids are in the basement i think it probably inspired home alone but when he, like he likes the shelf lands on his head and then he chases <laughs> after the kids and then yeah. slips on like a jar <laughs> and then he's just chasing the kids with his arms straight but he could totally could have got the kids or he's like in the mud and he's like he could have got them but they just kind of like the, oh yeah that's believable like that's what would always happen to me as soon as like the suspense was almost working as I just couldn't suspend mm-hmm. my disbelief, but but then I'm like easier yeah. on it. Cause I'm like, okay, well, an old movie. I'm not getting where you guys are getting the suspense from. <laughs> well, I can, just... but I'm more I'm saying like you can see like if you were in the theater oh, at totally, that time totally. that that's what they were doing. I did not get. I mean, William got scared. I wasn't like actually scared. No, but William, I you said that you starting, you said I, I quote some I got thrilling I got experiences I got nightmares. From this film. Let's okay. check check the transcripts <laughs> yeah, right. one more time. You said okay, I got go nightmares back. Nightmares and I Guys. and I had and I couldn't sleep for and I wet my pants. Yeah, I pee my my diaper. I'm gonna cut I this out my... of the uh, podcast, but yeah, I had to call Felicia and tell her, hey, Caleb wife, volunteers to edit this home. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm editing this one. Oh no, I can't. Um, I'm really okay, busy. Okay, but I, I just okay. So I wonder what you guys aren't getting though, because even on IMDb, it's gotten eight out of ten stars. Like, and even why? Okay, why I picked this movie, I didn't really say in the beginning, but it keeps coming up in like lists or articles or whatever. As I just study film in general, every once in a while, I see it come up. If and someone execute, sorry, if someone educated me on why it's important, I probably would think it's important. But just like as a peer viewer, I know that one thing that's referenced a lot is the the 
kind of porch scene towards the end of the movie, the standoff between uh, Miss Cooper and the preacher, and she's in the rocking chair with the shotgun, which phenomenal scene. I do the way they uh, Ruby comes down with the candle and it kind of lights up the shades. So you can't see the preacher and then she blows it out and he's gone. Like, mm, oh, wow. man, dude, that, that that's so well done. And, and that's when I was so terrified. I I had to press pause. I had to go and put on a cartoon, guys. Oh, wow. So just just so I felt better. You don't watch <laughs> movies much, eh? I just I just missed it. Like, how did I? I just didn't see that it was horror at all. Like, I was just, I kind of watched it and I'm like, all right, come on, guys, let's pick up the action somewhere. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't find it scary at all. <laughs> Like, I didn't even see horror elements in it. But it might have been just because, you know how you get in one frame of mind or one frame of thinking? Like, so to me, this I wasn't watching a horror film at all. I was watching uh, a noir drama. Yeah. You know, it, a crime might... noir drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and it's not really a, like the classic noir. I guess, I think the only way it can really be compared to noirs yeah, is noir. in, the, in its cinematography. I guess the traditional noirs were kind of more crime stories in this isn't really it's to me it's very much like no country for old men where you almost have this villain who's as much a of the main character as the main character and he's just kind of roaming around and you're like just terrified mm-hmm. of what he's he can bring because like yeah this is pre this yeah. is pre serial killer territory timing when they made this so it would be a very scary notion that a guy had killed 20 people or you know just going from town to town killing women there's just some really like uninformed there's some funny like funny changes in characters that just didn't make any sense to me. Like how he brainwashed the mom so quickly. It was just like, what? Yeah. Things like, really? things I like that, that as like, like religious manipulation. Though. I did too. I, did yeah. too I but believed they just it. But it was go, so quick. It was so quick. And then yeah. it was like, oh, oh true. things yeah. like that. I was kind of like made it cute <laughs> rather than scary. Yeah. I hear you. But I do think you guys are, and I'm, I'm going to defend the movie a little bit here. I think you guys are, Mm-hmm. viewing it and it from a modern perspective when you're saying these things and these that's what i'm struggling. so when we yeah. get into rating it it's, it's i have to put this on my letterbox beside all the other movies that i love not all from this modern time you know i'm not but yeah. like do i, I get it. do i just discredit everything wrong with the movie because it's from a certain time and what jason was more getting at was that well no because there was movies that came out of this time that killed it that do stand up so mm-hmm. so we can't just throw it all under the rug because it's but an old movie. I I I would di- I would disagree. I'm not looking at it from the perspective of like my modern thinking of movies or storytelling cuz I watch movies from this era. I appreciate movies from this era. I actually really like movies from this era. This movie felt disjointed to me in comparison to to its predecessors that came 10 years earlier. It, it felt like he was trying to it felt like he was trying to push the envelope or to be some sort of revolutionary filmmaker. Really, like, honestly, I do not think that there would be any positive reviews from this if Robert Mitchum were not the lead character, because Robert Mitchum is what carries the whole movie. And he was quite a famous actor. Now, like, I think the cinematography, don't get me wrong. I think the cinematography is awesome. And I think that's what from what I'm reading uh, it's known for its cinematography and for Robert Mitchum's odd playing of a character. And so, but would that cinematography stand if it didn't have Robert Mitchum in it? I don't know. 
Well, I think um, so. If it's the same cinematographer, it's just, I I get what you're saying. Well, yeah, you can have a great cinematographer, but if it doesn't have that equation, it's never going to see the light of day. You know, if it doesn't have that right thing, yeah. I think Robert Mitchum kind of brought some of the firepower to this, which then highlighted the the cinematographer's talent or skill. So I am I'm comparing it to the movies of the day, um, not through a modern lens, but. It's it, but I enjoyed the oddity part of it. What I always but, wonder is if was the odd parts on purpose, or were they just acts like that's why I just don't know. Like with like, you know, with trends or whatever, or like you know, like I watch. Did they mean to make I don't it think odd? So like, with what, the girl singing in the back of the canoe when they first got like they literally just ran from a priest that's been chasing them. They get into the water. And she starts singing, but it's not even her voice. It's like an older woman's voice. It's just so weird. Like if, and it felt like it was like, okay, this is the creepy scene now, you know, like be as creepy as you can. Yeah, that's true. I liked that the, they put the money in the teddy bear. I felt kind of yeah. like clever. The kids running away, the underwater shot of the mom in the car. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. That. That was insane, dude. That, that gave me that chills. That felt like higher. That felt like, like that's where they pulled out all the stops just for that scene. I know. And like even but the I boat, feel like the, boat the, and him the director, the director turned around and went production value, <laughs> just gave like a fist pump and like, <laughs> yeah, this is, is so is cool. Crazy. This can look so good in my demo reel. <laughs> was it all? It wasn't all on a stage, was it? No. Like the water couldn't have been, but it still felt like a the state. water scenes. I read somewhere that at least the ones where he kind of chases the kids out and in, into the water were on a stage. So maybe, maybe the whole well, that thing would make sense because it kind of felt all stagey. The water scenes, like, did you notice that the hills, like, there'd be a curvature of a hill, and then it was perfectly lit from behind. It didn't seem like it was like just a normal, like an exterior shot. It seemed like it was a stage with. You know, like a set piece behind it. Yeah, like the, the, the silhouettes like of the hills stage. behind them. You mean, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Which is kind of cool. Like if you did something like that now, like all on a stage and just played within that, it'd be so expensive. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but like, yeah, whatever. But it's for movies. It's for fun. <laughs> it's it'd be cool. Jason, I still think though that you're you're. I mean, I feel like this movie was very experimental away from those films that you did mention like sunset boulevard and and i i kind of see what you're saying too though because when i think of sunset boulevard i think of this epic like super well done like should stand up through all of time type film and and this one i can kind of see like it feels like it's no it's way, way more experimental say. you don't think sunset boulevard should I actually think Sunset Boulevard's a really good thing to compare it to because Sunset Boulevard. No, it's not even a was, horror film. Neither is this. This is a horror film, and it's an experimental horror film. Like, <laughs> come on, how do you not see that? Like, any experimental filmmaker today, this dude was doing the same thing that they're doing today, and and you're shitting on their movies today. Like, the same thing happened to him. People hated it, so he stopped. He didn't make another movie in his whole life. This director, yeah, Charles Lafton, and they and laughed him out of there. He makes this masterpiece. He makes this absolute masterpiece. <laughs> they that laughed him out of the industry. The they laughed him out. 
No, he was actually a very successful like uh, theater actor and an actor in movies uh, and a theater director, I should say. Um, so he I actually if he was doing it the same time as Citizen Kane. Maybe he he did have an uncredited directing role in a movie he was like in, like acting in. But prior to this, this is his only directing credit. But interesting, anyways, he like went back to theater after this for the rest of his days. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't laugh because <laughs> he was like the OG experimental filmmaker guys. Come on. He was like in that's how he's viewed or you're saying that you're just claiming uh, that right now. Uh, that's how I am viewing him. I'm I'm claiming well, I wonder I'm making that bold too. claims I, here. Guys. My my wonder has always been the same as if he was experimenting or he's made some mistakes. I don't know. Mm. What cave? Yeah. I hope, Will, I hope like it build, was build up, like what were the good things list them out for us what was like the scenes that was good what was what was happening what was working because we could have just forgot well what's wrong with the story the story's fine besides like yeah, the, and, fine. and actually my my criticisms are with the story where i think and why i kind of mentioned it was a book was because sometimes it felt like it just went off the rails for a second like the riot scene I get that people would riot, but it just felt like, <laughs> yeah. and they were screaming Bluebeard, like we're supposed to know who the heck Bluebeard is. Oh, you know what I mean? Who, yeah, who was Bluebeard? They, who exactly? <laughs> and that's where I think like they were kind of pulling. Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He says. I, I think that. <laughs> Whose side are you on, dude? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that th- there was a moments in. As much as I appreciated the long, like, river, dreamlike river sequence and when they're, like, falling asleep under that beautiful moon, like, I felt like that kind of was, like, ah, oh, okay, this movie would be a lot better if it just skipped right through that and went right to, the like, the Lillian Gish, Miss Cooper uh, part of the story where she takes them in, but I don't know. Yeah, and then the, the ending was a little, <laughs> a little out there. <laughs> I mean, her, her final, like, lines were... And, and obviously, like trying to say something. I, oh I yeah, like, about like about like quotes, children, but... children, children making it through, through or whatever. Yeah. those lines. Uh, children abide. <laughs> they survive. <laughs> okay. I'm children abide. What is the? I think I wrote it down. <laughs> it was so okay. good. She was like, "Lord, save the little children. The wind blows and the rains are cold, yet they abide. They abide and they endure." <laughs> <laughs> like. That was she, that's out there. Was she looking I, in the? Just when you have point? kids, can you please just say that to your kids and see if, how they react? <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is even with that, like Lillian Gish was the one I mentioned at the end of last episode as like this. She was a legendary actress. Like, was, she so was, was that that lady at this point? That was it. Was that lady? Okay. So she's like one was one of like the first first actresses in motion picture ever. Like D W Griffith kind of brought her into all of his first films um mm. like from the beginning anyways she was so you could tell like they like res- they try like treated her a certain way on camera you know like they gave her these weird glowing close-ups and i get that that was a thing back then like a lot of girls a lot of ladies mm-hmm. and actresses had like had like in their contract to be lit certain ways or whatever like that that was a thing interesting it's kind of funny how like Lillian Gish comes up in the movie and all of a sudden she's getting all these weird like glowy close-ups that <laughs> and like monologues that just felt you know it felt like they were doing it just for her because she's like this legend but mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys caught that well wait are you are you arguing for the movie now 
or against no it. i my i have criticisms of this movie guys but i but i have a great appreciation for this prove movie it too. prove it i gave it a four out of five <laughs> stars on letterboxd all right okay i appreciate it in film history i appreciate i can too i'm not gonna i don't disagree. i appreciate the, i can appreciate it i yeah it, yeah for sure and i i like how it feels so bold for that day in that time and I feel so experimental for that time. And I would, you know. So was was the experimental parts like showing the animals? Like, was that like showing the random animals? I'm trying to think what was experimental. Like the glowing faces at the beginning would have been, right? Yeah. Maybe that song that they played before that too. That was like the lyric. In the lyrics, it was like, fear is only a dream. So dream little one dream. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck dude those are some dark lyrics that's so funny so uh, i so i've been like reading essays desperately searching for could could someone please tell me why this is good um like right now that's you're doing it right question. now that's that's how i'm like asking as we google. speak excuse me google pa- pardon me google could you tell me why this movie is supposed to be good um but they're largely due to its genre defying dialectical properties that bring together the edgy with the earnest a blending of styles ahead of its time okay so it was yeah it was like it was i think it was purposefully experimental not accidentally caleb which good that's good to hear maybe answers your question yeah um but yeah it was kind of loosey-goosey to me like like it it was experimental but the experiment didn't work it didn't you know, work. Like it only you, like, influenced try to bake the whole a cake and genre that, of and films that, for the next And that cake kind years. of like just deflates in the oven. That's what it felt like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like oh. Def- but then that deflated, like cake, deflated cake. But then that deflated cake goes on to influence millions of people in, in fifty over 50 years of film. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you the first time when I was talking over you. Okay. <laughs> I had to pound it into into your <laughs> let's talk about some of the dialogue in this movie guys like I, I wrote down some quotes I'm just gonna fire yeah, them off do it. I love bring them so on, much. Bring them on. <laughs> there's a moment where the preacher's uh convincing the the people at the ice cream shop uh so he's like convincing them that Willow had left like a note and left town and he says he said that he burned the he's like i burned the note and it stank of hellfire as he burned it which i just loved that's right he says in that same scene this is when i that was like the scene i started to write down quotes because i loved it but in that same scene he's like i tried to save her but the devil wins sometimes (laughs) uh and then oh uh john finally when john finally is like hey i'll tell you where the money is but he's like really planning to trick him in the basement. Uh, Harry responds with, "Well, now, John, or John might just make it to heaven yet," which I love. And All then right, when he locks that. John, like escapes from the basement, and he's he's it's after that cringy scene where he's holding his hands mm-hmm. out, running up the stairs after him. He yells after them, and he says, "Open that door, you spawn of the devil's own strumpet." <laughs> the devil's own what? <laughs> The devil's own strumpet. Strumpet? Strumpet? <laughs> what? What is a strumpet? I don't know, but that's what I'm the... curious. I'm looking this up. 
Good, because maybe it was a maybe it was a spelling error in the subtitles. But a female prostitute is a strumpet. <laughs> a woman who has many casual sexual encounters or relationships. Open the door. Also, oh, the mom. Really? The mom was. He's calling the mom. Their mom. A prostitute. A strumpet. Yeah, because yeah. that was the house of a strumpet. That makes him the devil. What an idiot! The other one I had was that uh, he he when he finally tracks them down again, the kids and like Lillian Gish kind of catches on, or sorry, Miss Cooper kind of catches on that he's what he's after and like kicks him off her property with a shotgun. He screams, "The Lord God Jehovah will guide my hand in vengeance, you devils, you whores of Babylon!" <laughs> it's like. He, ride, he hops on his horse and just like rides off. Good stuff. I love the scene. I actually really love the scene where he is outside ominously singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Mrs. Cooper starts singing like, like a secondary part oh, to the song. Like so I definitely cool. thought that that was kind of cool. Like she's like, I hear you and I'll raise you a harmony. You know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it I was, think I that, that, that actually, actually brings up, I think, a lot of like, the- the theme of this movie is kind of, or what I was catching on to was it felt like this preacher character kind of weasels his way into John's life and, and wrecks it. But he's also this in some sort of influence of religion in John's life to the point where once uh, like later on in the movie, uh, the first time like Miss Cooper is having Bible stories with the kids, he like has to leave the room. Cause he's like that turned off to a religion at that point. And she kind of like becomes this redeeming character to him for religion. You know, it felt like Miss Cooper was kind of like the opposite influence of who the preacher was in the movie, like represented everything, yeah. like what was like really good and true it. about religion and about God hmm. versus, and they made a big deal about the false prophet thing at the beginning. So like clearly they were trying to call the preacher like a false mm-hmm. prophet, but Right. I thought that stuff was interesting, and I think it makes the harmony, like when she starts har- or harmonizing with him in the song, it makes it a little bit more interesting because you have these two very, two very different worldviews that are influence have both influenced this one character, and he has to kind of mm-hmm. like deal with both. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. And children should abide and endure. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked how. Uh, he kind of just like dumps the money on him in the end too. Cause it felt like he finally gets rid of like, I love when, the when is. I love when the kid doesn't like what he's seeing. Like it, he like, Oh my heart. <laughs> like he did it with his dad. And then <laughs> yeah. he goes, Oh yeah. He's like, Oh, am I having a heart attack? What, take- what happened to the money? I don't know. Well, I'm sure the police like took it and put it back to the bank or something. Probably lack of exposition, Jason. It was so edgy back then. Well, you just want to be spoon fed, Jason. Oh my God! <laughs> Go make a movie and then come back to me with an opinion. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say this one was gluttonous. That's your go-to. No, bro. like I don't think, I don't think this this movie was gluttonous. I think it was lacking. It was like uh, anorexic, was I guess. Anorexic, <laughs> anemic. Oh, there we go. Who's anemic? Like I thought it was. I actually thought the weird parts were cool. I wish that they would have pushed the boundaries with everything. Like it didn't seem like it was. Mm. It seemed like it was weird every like. 12 to 15 minutes that's probably because it was opening up doors for the future i guess true i I was really enjoying the odd stuff in it and i'm like well like just go the go all the way 
and and that's what it felt like it it felt like it was it wasn't going there and i i also realized for the day for the experimental nature of the movie i don't think that's what was really affecting my judgment because there were a lot of other movies in that day that were kind of experimental that i i felt like successfully flowed this this didn't flow for me it felt I like i need names of these movies in, in, in a list form so i can go through and watch them all all right Oh, there. Um, you know, oh, like man, you know, what the is one, the... Uh, that one, oh, and then there's also oh. this one. He's calling your bluff right now, Jason. He thinks you're full of it. I'll be the mediator now because I have nothing no, else to say. Just... Will <laughs> thinks that you're a liar, Jason. That's what's happening right now. He's trying to call the your Dark bluff. Tower. Go, go watch the Dark Tower. Oh, you mean that new Stephen King flick with Idris Elba? Listen, just because you go to your favorite DP's like film list doesn't make you educated. <laughs> so, so you want us to watch The what? Dark Knight is what you're saying? Film list? No. I don't know what film Thank list you. is. Maybe me? That was me that has that list. Not Will. <sighs> you guys, your fights. Hey, I'm, I'm down to watch just, I'm just over here just trying to keep the peace. I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> well, no, like, I no, it is, it's a serious discussion. I think that like the i think you're throwing away my uh view of the film because you th- you think that i'm against anything that's edgy when the exact opposite no no no, no probably... i'm not doing that i'm not doing that i am not doing that i i just am trying to get you to see it for what it is in film history at that time like i don't think it was like anything else from that time and i feel like you're trying to say that there are other movies that did what this movie did but way better in that time but i don't think you've you've mentioned any so i'm just trying to like i'm, I'm trying to get i give you a list no you said you said sunset boulevard and double indemnity which aren't i know sunset boulevard isn't a horror film or experimental okay if we're gonna if we're gonna get down to business this wasn't a horror film it was a suspense or a thriller could be classified as thriller which is f- far away from a, a horror film actually has to have other elements in it to be a horror film. This this like could be classified as a suspense film, like suspense or thriller. Those two things. Why can't? Sorry, well, I'm it, more as the outsider here. Um, why? What aspects does it need to have to be a horror? Uh, where are you seeing where, where it calls it a horror film? No, no, no. He's just saying his experience with it was that there was a horror film, and you're saying that there was aspects missing that would make it a horror film. I'm just wondering what was missing that would make it a horror film well i don't i don't know what elements are making it a horror film this mentally ill preacher is like stalking kids for their the money that they the secret that they know that's creepy that's horrific uh like i don't know i think that there has to be like an element of for a horror film uh, like it seems like a crime suspense film to me where it's it's about a murder i'll agree with you that it's probably more of a thriller film than it is a horror film but i would i would classify this as a horror film because i think its use in thriller and suspense throughout the movie feels like what beca- what like became horror over the next 75 years and that's that's why i'm even praising this movie at all probably <laughs> right apart from its cinematography and characters either way i i want to i i would genuinely jason because i love you my friend i would genuinely like you to send me a, a movie or two to watch during this time. You already said Dark Knight. I will watch them. The Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, you said Dark Tower, right? 
I already wrote it down. Well, and I will watch it. That discussion we were talking about noir films of the 1940s and 50s. So, as far as like experimental films, so the discussion about experimental films kind of came after that discussion. So, I I don't really know what the experimental films of that day were. Okay. So, I think you're trying to call me on something that I wasn't actually claiming. Well, but this is hey, it's recorded. <laughs> like this and is, we will see. I just like that I'm not involved right now. This is fun. Okay, as a as a third party observer, I think that yeah, I think he's calling him for what you were saying, Jason. I think you were saying that it didn't stack up to what was. We were all going easy on it because the movies of that day. We thought maybe this was good for its time, and you're saying it wasn't. So you were comparing it to movies. No, I'm saying that my opinion, my opinion of this movie, like the disjointed nature of the movie based on other films that were made during the time, it doesn't really stack up. Like it was just, there was, it, there was odd acting. There was uh, odd choices. I'm, I like the, the weird edgy parts of the movie you know, the singing, the scene where he actually murders the girl, where mm-hmm. Lillian Gish is like kind of taking care of the kids and sitting in the rocking chair and the singing portion. I love all that stuff. And and it could have been experimental for its day, but comparatively to the, the quality of the other films that are being made during that day, it to me, it doesn't, it's not a very successful film. And that's all right. But to just put that in the category of like it's an edgy film and you don't understand edgy is kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just giving you my opinion. No, I think, of I think this most people comparison agree of these Jason. films. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that most people agree with you and that's why it's been so like such a polarizing film over the past or True. since it was made. Like, cause really why are we even talking about it still? Right. Oh, we're talking about it because um, you picked it. You picked it for the film discussion, but also why are <laughs> just like I'm, and we're talking about it? Yeah, you're being a jerk. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think the weird parts of it were my favorite parts for sure. If it just pushed more into those, it would have been awesome. But it probably had it probably yeah. just couldn't. I'm with you. Yeah, I would agree. Because when it was like they first started showing like a, the shot of the frog, I was like, ooh. <laughs> Where, where is this going? You perked up. And, and then they just kept showing different animals. There was like a, they showed a fox, showed an yeah, owl. Yeah, my favorite was was before they showed the fox, there was like this really obscure noise and you weren't sure what kind of animal screamed. And then you had to wait for it a little bit. And then, oh, it was a fox. Okay. Maybe it's kind of like, cause that would have been like animals were kind of scary or something. Like, oh, they're out in the wilderness. They're alone or something. Uh, actually, what is this movie known for? Like, what are the, the iconic elements of the film? Well, the cinematography, for sure. I know that Robert Mitchum's character... But, like, what in acting, particular of the, the cinematography? Like, I know the the porch scene. What were the revolutionary the aspects of it? The porch scene with the, that I already kind of mentioned with the candle. And that scene, with, uh, the underwater scene, is something I see talked about. There's that haunting showing her in the car underwater. That was a- Mm-hmm. Is that what it like? Are these the things that it's known for? Yeah, I'm that's stuff I see like down. people talking about. I, but despite what I think about it, even take my perspective out, it has an eight out of ten stars on IMDb. It's talked about. I, I the reason why I picked it, like I said, every once in a while I just see it come up in articles and film magazines, whatever. 
people talk about it. And maybe that's just because people who grew up kind of in the later days, maybe it affected them more. And it's some, mm. maybe it's more of a nostalgic thing that they kind of held on to it and kept going back. Yeah, to I'm seeing like like uh, Roger Ebert is talking about like it being one of his favorite films. Like th- there's a ton of people saying that, like huge film critics saying it's their favorite film. I'm just, when I read their stuff, I'm not actually seeing much of an explanation except for like, a generalized explanation or a broad strokes explanation i gonna just to, I gotta do a little to, bit more research yeah gonna have to do a little bit more research there <laughs> you, that's all i haven't i haven't done as much uh, i haven't done as much research as you before the podcast though i came prepared all right okay. i knew you were gonna hate it I no, can, i'm just kidding i can tell no i just was intrigued i was intrigued of the historical aspect so i spent some time digging into it i think when i think of movies from this time uh, a lesson that i would pull from this if you want to kind of go into that area like dusters or like cowboy movies from this time that just were filmed on location like on horses and stuff like not on stages as much just aged so much better i think there's that like i don't know like like doing the car scenes car scenes always were awful like even in seinfeld like the screen behind it's just that, that fine line of making simpler movies without the not the very not the very top of what special effects can be is I think in general a wise thing to take from films because the cowboy movies from this era just feel great they feel awesome it was just like nature they, there was no horses. need to use a special effect <laughs> yeah, it was that. nature and that's what I feel currently about like our whole special effects such a big deal right now is that I always get super nervous with special effects that it moves so quickly that everyone knows you're watching special effects and then the people looking back are just going to laugh at those movies. And you're always safe just to get out of studio, just film something on location somewhere. I don't know. Well, anyways, let's stop distracting from this precious film of mine that I love so much, The Night of the Hunter. You guys are just trying to rob this whole episode from me. <laughs> Much like the young boy was robbed of his father's relationship. For exactly. The whole movie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but maybe, maybe now's the now's the time to kind of wrap up with our final stars. <laughs> or uh, does it? Do you feel like you need to say anything else about it? I don't know. Is there any takeaways that you have? That was my takeaway. What I just said. So yeah, I'm good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like my takeaways are. I don't know. I I liked the experimental, the portions of it that were seemingly purposefully experimental. That's my takeaway is experimental. You kind of got it. Yeah, I guess that's my takeaway. You kind of got to go all, all in or nothing, you know, like mm. I really wish that they would have gone all in on this one. Um, but, you know, for the day, it's probably pretty out there, but like watching it is just kind of like, Oh, you could have you could have done a lot more of this this weird stuff. <laughs> That's uh what I would say. And uh my stars what did I give it? A two? I'd probably stick with a two. What was yours, Caleb? I think I said three. Yeah. Two like two and a half is fifty like fifty percent. So I was like, no, it's not. Like a two is rather low. That's the hard thing about five. I think I'm just going to stick with three. And if you guys send me an article that really lays out why it was so important, then I can change it. 
Yeah, send to me too. I'd be interested. I think that my number is lower because it was characters just changed way too quickly. I just didn't understand every other character other than the preacher, really. Everyone else just seemed very random to me. The boy was seemingly consistent, except for when he, the police arresting his fake dad, he still melted. So like, how did it hurt his heart? That felt kind of random. Yeah. Three. Three out of five. Will, what are your takeaways from this precious movie? This precious film. From your precious. This precious gem. My takeaways. Lord, save the little children. The wind blows and the rains are cold, yet they abide. They abide and they endure. It's true that children do do abide. So precious, dude. I'd take away, I would, if I ever were to make a movie with a, a super interesting, complex villain, I would, I would watch this movie. Cinematography is amazing. I mean, I'd, I don't know what to do with film noir. I mean, you watch it and you're like, this is incredible. Like, how do you take film noir cinematography and use it today? I think you just, and, and I'm kind of processing this as I say it, but I think it's just like realizing how to use just light and darkness to like tell the story. I think the distinction now with film noir style has almost become not as big of a deal because everyone with digital, you need such minimal light that so many right. movies go to silhouette and so many movies go to like contrasty cut. It just feels, I don't know, movies aren't as high key anymore in general or like mm-hmm. trendy stuff, especially like commercial world, Vimeo land, everything's silhouette. Right. So that's why, that's why I feel like with film noir, it's like maybe film noir's impact on cinematography is way bigger than we think. It's almost the norm now. I don't know. I think about like Sicario or I think about, I don't know, I talk about Deacon, lots of his movies. There's some stuff he pulls from. Yeah, I guess it just looks different when you add color in 8K. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, especially uh, film noir is such a cultural thing, you know, like it really was, right? especially with the smoke in the background, like the fog mm-hmm. and like uh, those were just like random smoky scenes in film noir movies and the low key lighting and the like the really harsh shadows. You know, I'm not sure if they'll they'll play as well. I, I know that they've done like like Brick, is kind of a modern film noir, but it was more of the style, like the mystery style of noir. Even Brick though is so old now. I love <laughs> Brick. Like, oh of, yeah, it is. What know, 2006 yeah. or yeah. something like that. I love. You're right though. Yeah. Um, Brick would be considered a neo noir, I guess. Maybe because, well, Blade Runner is considered noir too. Like the new Ooh, like. Yeah. True. So it's like, I guess true, that's... True. I would consider like, because uh, I was trying to think of what would be considered kind of a, at least for the look, like cinematography wise, what's like modern noir look like. And I, I, I was, what came to mind was the Ozarks, if you guys are Ozarks, mm-hmm. that TV show, going literally dark with everything. The light, like what light is there is just used so sparingly, I guess. So maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, because of where we're at in history noir like the same effect will look a little different yeah. when it's executed it's it's an interesting conversation though yeah i don't know i'm going out i'm gonna say i'm gonna lower mine to three and a half stars though out of five i appreciate Sweet. that we're still it's still kind of kicking around and being talked about here and there in current day that's cool it's good it says something about it but yeah i think yeah. just duking it out with jason on the pod on the three podcasts yeah. you know just made me bring it down and that's what this is all about i don't mean to be a downer i'm sorry 
No, you're good. This is. Uh, I'm sorry if I went too hard on you, Jason. Oh no, you're good, man. Oh, you guys always apologize to each other. I was having fun with it. I I love you, William. I just I just appreciate oh. you so much. <laughs> I love you too, Jason. I'm I'm sorry if I said anything harsh. Oh, you know, you know that's what this is all about. We can have honest film discussions yeah. and then make up for it in the end. <laughs> right here on the I don't know three podcast. <laughs> I don't know why Caleb gets so jealous when me and you like start to. Well, I just find I I more I don't necessarily know fully understand your guys' relational dynamic. So I'm just trying to figure this out. Like, what is the what, <laughs> what role do you guys play in each other's lives? I'm kind of like I'm saying. Oh, I'm I'm noticing. Love. That, we're friends. No, but you guys will push. But then Love like Jason, just, you know, like you guys apologize to each other and you're courteous. I just don't know. I'm just trying to figure but, it out, Caleb. I. On this podcast, in the history of this podcast, I don't think I've duked it out with you really that harshly yet. So I would apologize to you if I felt like I pushed you too hard. Just being honest. I'm I'm the edgy one in this mix. I'm the, I'm the one who goes against the grain, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. The square was kind of an indicator of something for you, Caleb. <laughs> the square was, but yeah, you guys didn't apologize to me. I'm still waiting. You guys, you guys, this is about. You guys didn't say like, "Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry, like we were wrong." No one apologized to me for the square. You guys didn't like. You guys haven't told me you were wrong yet three times now. You guys haven't said you were wrong, and I'm just kind of waiting on an apology or something. (laughs) Hey, how good was it that we all agreed on Cold War last week? That was really. That was amazing. To change the subject, I wasn't like choosing this movie hoping that it would happen because you know who knows. I had never watched it before. Deep down inside me, I was kind of hoping that we'd have another Cold War with this movie. <laughs> but as soon as I watched it, I, I knew it, it wasn't. Depends what Jason picks for next week. Maybe we could have... It's either going to go either either way, right? I like when people don't... It's better for the audience if we all don't agree. Right, yeah. Yeah. Give the people who don't exist currently what they want. Exactly. All right, should I tell you what the next movie is going to be? Yeah, go ahead. Jason, what's the movie? What's the movie for next week, Jason? So next week we're going to be watching the movie Good Time from the oh, yeah. Safdie yes. brothers. That's been on have, my have watch. Have you seen it? I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a couple cool. times. Are you kidding times? me? <laughs> that should only be reserved for Mother. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching any movie five times as Mother. <laughs> I love. I still all. That's so funny. You'd already seen it twice. That was your third time, and then you said. Yeah, well, maybe I should watch it a couple more times and figure out what I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie with great depth. Uh, so no. Anyway, anyway, let's not get into Mother anymore. Come on. That, that's so a, next just, week. <laughs> that's an old Benny and Josh Safdie. So are you guys going to keep apologizing? I think you should. You guys should apologize one more time. Yeah, we should. William, let's apologize to Caleb for this. I actually time. don't want your apology. I don't want it. Hey, Caleb, I don't need it. Doesn't doesn't it's Caleb, water off a duck's back. Will, William and I just want to apologize to you because. All right, you're getting ASMR. You're, you're getting ASMR. Okay, here it is. We, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you, and we appreciate you, and uh, we just want to say we're sorry for our opinions of the square. Thanks for joining us on Three the Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and join us next week for another film discussion. Hosted by Jason Solari, William Somero, and Caleb Ford.